We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, how we doing? Hey, Cam Thomas, Masterclass, wasted. Yes, the Nets fall to the Warriors, 124-120. This is one of the matchups you look at the West Coast trip. You think the Nets have a pretty decent chance to win. You know, they just did not put a good performance on the floor. Still had an opportunity to win late in this one. We're going to jump at that in plenty more. Make sure you check the buzz on all streaming platforms. But, Jack, let's kick off with the end of this game. Mikael Bridges misses a layup that's 99.99 times out of 100. He hits in his sleep. Now, I guess I'll ask you, Nick, because a lot of people will probably be thinking this If for those that have watched the game. Was it the right play? Cam Thomas had the ball in his hands. All, all those questions and answers. What did you think of the final play, the process, the execution, et cetera? Yeah, I mean, Mikel needs to hit the shot. It's pretty much that simple. If you want to be, you know, the best or second best player in this team, even the third best player in this team, you know, you ex- you're expected to hit a layup, especially when your number's called late in the game. And I think the play call is fine. The execution was good up until missing the shot. So I think, you know, you can't really be mad at anyone but Mikel Bridges for that final opportunity to tie the game and then i also thought the nets just handled it pretty poorly after he missed that shot they're not able to foul steph curry gets a wide open layup next possession down there's still a decent amount of time they don't really have enough pace in their step and they're still trying to push in uh, cam thomas ends up airballing a three spencer ends up hitting a three short uh, knocking a three up and it's short so just overall the way they ended the game kind of was a great example of just the lack of crispiness and focus throughout the entire game yeah, it was quite, and if you're looking at the process on both ends, it was disjointed by nature. Yeah. Like nothing really flowed other than basically Cam Thomas. And look, Cam Thomas missing like nine of 24 shots is like an insane night for him. And it just makes me think back to like all the big games that Kyrie and KD used to have. And we would say we wasted those masterclasses because this is one of the best games of this kid's career. And, you know, there was... Me and you have been watching and sort of saying, oh, he needs to be a bit more aggressive. I've said that myself. And then he goes out there and shuts me up completely. I'm more than happy to eat my words. And I think that the substitution by, I I, I messaged you and I was like, wait, Cam Thomas gets his fifth foul and there's about two or so minutes left. And Jaffon takes him out. I'm just like, are you scared of him getting another foul? Like, why are you 
subbing in Cam Johnson, who has been poor and poor for an extended period, for your best offensive player. Yes, some people might say that Cam Thomas is a bad off a defensive player, but like the Nets' defense as a whole was bad. They gave up 70 points in the first half. They locked in a little bit more in the second half and were able to force a few turnovers and make a few adjustments to Stephen Curry at different points in the fourth quarter, but it was too little, too late. But that substitution to me left me like I was dumbfounded and there was a few people that were out there sort of saying it, but I'm like, wait, like what, what's going on here? Why is that happening? Like I, it didn't make sense to me. Jacques Vaughn with these substitutions, these hockey things, we sort of said at the start of the year, really, really early on. It reminded me of that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I could understand it a little because of the fifth foul. He's thinking maybe he's going to get a foul, get knocked out of the game, and he wanted to reserve him for a late game opportunity. Uh, it would have looked a lot better if you know he took that final game tying possession instead of Mikel Bridges. Like, okay, we're trying to save him because we needed him late in the game. The fact that he didn't get that opportunity makes it look worse. The Nets did win this stretch. It was like a minute or two in the game, five to two, I think, in that period of time. So ultimately, it didn't really play a huge role. But at the end of the day, you know, it's still Cam Thomas is still kind of getting treated like a, a rookie at times. And obviously he's done a lot for this team. And tonight he was, you know, on one. He was having he had a career night. You know, this is another 40 point game for this kid and he's balling out. So just kind of weird stuff, how it's all managed down the stretch. I, you know, it's frustrating, but I don't think that was a huge component in why they lost. I think if I'm looking at the biggest reason why they lost this game, it's just lack of focus and just defensively in that first half. And some of that, too, is on Vaughn. I thought they were playing drop. Warriors just eating that alive in the first quarter. Finally, in the second half, they started to switch and do some different things and show and just, you know, make life a little bit more complicated. But the first two quarters of this game defensively, it just wasn't there from the players and from even a uh, like a scheming pers perspective. Yeah, like it, it's the Warriors don't have anyone that is going to like light the world on fire inside in terms of driving. So like yeah. there was just when the Warriors decided to go to a little bit of a zone and Spencer Dillon and Cam Thomas straight out of the game, they just didn't know how to play basketball. It's like little things like that, where there can be a greater effect. I've always said this about whether it's the players or the coaches or whatever, like proactive or reactive. Now I think Jacques Vaughn was proactive at times tonight, but I think it was too, too little too late. Like the, the damage was done. Like the nets were down by like 16 or 18 at some point. And I'm like, I think I'm just going to go watch a Christmas movie with my partner, <laughs> with my fiance. But then I decided to stick with it because, you know, we're back. But it's good, really good to podcast with you again. Nick has been far too long, but we wish it was under better circumstances. And I wish that the Nets were, this is a game that I don't think they deserve to win, but they probably should have won if that, if both of those things make sense. Yeah, I think late in that fourth quarter, they set the, they put themselves in a position to win this game. And I think, you know, again, I keep getting back to it, you know, lack of focus and execution. You know, there's just opportunities where they could have been better. You know, just these mental mistakes. I mean, ultimately, too, is and we haven't even talked about it yet, is the offensive rebounding for the Warriors. You know, this is a team that had 13 offensive boards, and that just played a role in this game. And it's not like a lot of those boards came with guys being physically, you know, overpowering. You know, it's not like you're dealing with a Joel Embiid or or Nikola Jokic or someone who's moving centers. It was just like a lot of missed box outs in this game. And, you know, the Nets obviously did some work on the offensive boards themselves, but the Warriors had 22 second chance points. And the Nets only had 11. You know, you look at that as a big factor in this game. If you can cut those offensive rebounds in half, you win pretty easily. Yeah, and it's like Brandon Pajemski and Kelvon Looney and Dario Saric. These guys, none of them are above 6'10". Yeah, you and have a lot of them, they're just loose ball rebounds too. It's not like they're yeah. going up and getting them. 
no, that, that sort of just fell fortuitously and in terms of just being engaged, you know, longer threes, reading the ball off the rim a little bit better when it comes boxing to boxing out. Lock, it it box. just wasn't there. No, there, there was little to, to none of it tonight. And it was, yeah, just the, the little things that matter. And look, the Golden State Warriors haven't been going great of late, but you know, when Clay and Steph got hot, it was almost like, oh, this is probably going to end one way or another. And they were able to fight. And I, I give credit to, to all the guys you know, out there for fighting and Jacques Vaughn instilling that sort of belief in 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 the in the guys out there. But yeah, at the end of the day, you you make mistakes and it's a 48 minute game. And I don't think the Nets played good enough for long enough to earn the W, even against a a lesser Golden State team than we've seen in the past. Yeah, I think I'm just like quickly looking at the play by play to end the game. It's like Steph and Clay hit like eight or 10 of the last shots by the Warriors. You know, you look at that team and you ask yourself, you know, who do you not want to shoot? You know, Clay not having a great season, but, you know, giving someone with his history open threes and, you know, makeable shots, he's probably going to knock him down. Steph, he's a guy, he knocks down two shots, he's probably hot. Like, you're going to have to figure it out. I thought they did a better job when they started double teaming him, but like, force other guys to hit shots on this team and make plays. And we saw at times when they did do that, the other guys were missing shots, turning over the basketball and just putting the nets in a good position, which also led to some transition opportunities. So just like, just, it was just a lot of dumb basketball. Yeah. As I was watching, I'm like, Oh, cool. We're, we're finally doubling. We're finally blitzing Steph again. It was again, after he'd scored like 10 points in like two minutes or something. Yeah. And then as he was getting blitzed, the ball was getting fizzled around and it ended in Clay's hands. I'm like, this is going to go in. Like, this is obviously going in. I'm like, it's Brendan Pajemski was, was wonderful tonight. And look, if he, he hit shots, not when in clutch moments, but I thought he was really good tonight. Yeah, was... he had most of his, I think all of his points almost came in the first three quarters and he missed a lot of shots in that fourth quarter. That's a guy, you know, that's a rookie. You know, you're trying to say, prove it. Yeah, so I, I think that the... The process was okay. The execution wasn't. The the amount of execution in terms of the timely nature of it wasn't necessarily there either. But should we get to Cam Thomas, Nick? Any final? Like, I got one more no on Vaughn. I thought he made a good adjustment not going with Daron Sharp in the second half and going with Trenton Watford, giving you a little bit more versatility, especially defensively. You know, this is just not a good matchup for Daron. I thought that was just, you know, a nice move and something that, you know, he might have waited too long in the past or he might not have made that adjustment. So credit Vaughn. Obviously, we had our complaints early, but some positives still too. Yeah, and I thought... Dorian Finney-Smith's absence was really felt. I Especially think the Nets in a game win. like this, like this match. I think the Nets win. I yeah. honestly, yeah, I honestly think the Nets win this game if Dorian Finney-Smith is healthy, which he was like two or three hours or like the day before the game. And then is announced as being out. I don't know what that is. Maybe we get some more information uh, before the Jazz game about that. But yeah, who, who knows what, what's going on there. Hopefully it's nothing too sinister or, or too serious, but... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, the overwhelming positive, despite people in my mentions saying that Spencer Dinwiddie was the better player this game, was Cam Thomas. Cam Thomas, 15 of 24 from the field, 5 of 13 from three, 6 of 6 from the free throw line, which I love. Couple of dimes, five boards, had a steal, 41 points. Like, he was on early, and he was on mentality-wise, Nick. Could you sense that as well? Yeah, I think uh, I took a bet early in this game in the first quarter for Cam to finish with 40, and he did that. Yeah, I think you can kind of tell sometimes when you watch him play, he just gets into the rhythm. I got a little worried when the Warriors started blitzing and trying to force the ball out of his hands, but I thought he made some nice adjustments in that second half, also made some really good passes in this game. You know, there's one play where he just set up the Warriors' defense and just had an easy drop off the clacks. It's just those things that he wasn't necessarily doing in the past, and that's what's going to make him a really good player, a complete player. And he'll always have, you know, shortcomings in certain areas, but if he can improve in that playmaking and understanding how defenses are going to cover him, he's just going to be able to make his teammates better. And that's something you and I have talked about a lot over the course of the the entire life of this podcast when it goes from, you know, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, you know, making your teammates better. And that's kind of what dictates how good a player and that's how you get into that next tier. So really happy with his performance. I thought he probably should have shot at least 10 free throws in this game, you know, still not getting a good whistle because he spent a lot of time in the paint with a lot of contact, but he's able to finish tough and just really overall happy with his performance. And I also love the fact he put up 13 threes, you know, maybe one too many, but at the end of the day, I'd rather see him put up too many threes and too little, which has been a problem in the past yeah absolutely i think that you alluded to you know his ability to just read and make the right plays that was evident early on we saw and we've, we're seeing that growth you know within the season you know a couple of games ago he wasn't dealing with that attention you know in in the greatest of fashion you know, against atlanta he's getting doubled he's getting blitzed and these sort of things he's making the the, the wrong decisions these so these this game here he's like get the ball out of my hands i'll get it back and you know when Trent watford was out there as a sort of primary facilitator he'd get the ball on secondary actions he looked good on primary and secondary actions I, i'm just literally dumbfounded that there are, there are people saying that cam thomas wasn't the best player tonight but that's a discussion for a, a different day that i can have with people on a a stupid social media app but in, in saying that like focusing on cam thomas like he was just this is the three level scoring that he just possesses like he can hit everything and he's so strong like that's just something that i think might go under the radar a little bit like we sort of made the comparison points with with Kyrie or James Harden. I'm like, yeah, those those comparisons are are kind of apt because he has great body control like Kyrie does, and he's strong as hell like James Harden is. We made those comparisons not because you know we love those guys, we bring them back to pass or whatever, but because there are correlations. He said in the past that like he's modeled his game after some of these guys before, and we're seeing that. Like he's when he's driving relentlessly and using that to open up the mid range and open up his three game. Like he's just. He's a very, very talented young player. And look, there's a lot of stuff with Donovan Mitchell happening. We might dive into that into a, another episode. But Cam Thomas showed tonight why he is a, like a, a most improved player candidate, an all-star candidate, 22 years old, and, and putting up these sort of numbers with the talent that he has. He's a special, special player. Yeah, I actually felt in this game that I was like surprised he wasn't getting more touches in the fourth quarter. It was kind of strange. Mikel having a bad night, but he elected to take more possessions. You know, he did, you know, Mikel did hit a couple shots late in this game that are pretty big, but it was just interesting that he still wasn't getting, you know, even more because he probably could have easily had 50 in this one. And it's interesting because 
as the game progressed, you know, he was reading the coverages better and that was kind of setting up the nets to get some easy hoops because now the, the Warriors were not, you know, in their, their typical defense or they're slightly out of position. So uh, fun stuff for Cam Thomas. And again, like you said, you know, most improved candidate, potential all-star, maybe this will kind of get him back on track, you know, coming back from the injury wasn't quite in rhythm tonight was, you know, he looked like the guy that started the year for this team. Yeah, and he also you know, nearly t- turned his ankle a little bit with that sort of slip and the ability to play through that. Now, I don't know. Hopefully, he's not out for, for the game against the Jazz or whatever, but you know, it just sh- shows the maturity and he's putting things together that we have. It's it, it, There's something special about seeing the guy that you that your team's drafted and seeing him blossom, put all the, the negatives you know, to the side and really start to find his footing as a, a really impactful NBA player. Now, hopefully there aren't people sort of putting out there, well, the Nets lost Cam Thomas. It's like not that old bullshit narrative that we got from last year from Jacques Vaughn and stuff. I hope none of that is coming up from whether it's Nets fans or the, or the Nets staff or whatever. If Cam Thomas wasn't playing tonight, the Nets lose by 20 or 30. Like, it's just as simple as that. When they couldn't generate offense, Cam Thomas would generate offense. Mikael Bridges was average at best. Spencer Dinwiddie yeah, I would say Mikael was bad for three quarters and good for one quarter. And he even missed, yeah. you know, the most important shot of the game. Exactly. So, look, uh, um, maybe, again, I'm CT obsessed, but I, I, I think it's not obsessed to call a guy that was blatantly good blatantly ridiculous in terms of offensive efficiency like i'm just stating facts like if you watch the game cam thomas was was great was was wonderful yeah i mean 62 percent from the field on 41 points you know you can't really complain about that i think you know you can complain defensively there was plays where he could be better and he knows that and he's definitely made major strides this year and i thought he had a couple good defensive positions possessions mixed in as well but also just touching on one point you brought up before I wanted to hit on before I forget as the James Harden stuff. And, you know, we know that Cam's not an elite athlete, but James Harden necessarily wasn't. He had a good burst, but he used a lot of his strength, especially like his upper body strength to deal with contact in the paint to almost move bigger guys in front of him. And I think that's something we'll probably see with Cam Thomas to kind of help make up for some of those things. You know, Cam, we've I've talked about it before on the show is, you know, Cam has an elite ability to hit shots at ridiculous angles. You know, we talk about that shot he hit on Jalen Brown earlier in the season where his body was in the wrong direction, his ability to kind of launch in any facing any direction and then, you know, square his shoulders with the rim is really, really impressive. So these little things and these little skills he's continuing to push forward or will, you know, make up for some of the things that maybe he can't do or just physically, you know, are limited of, but uh, really happy again with his performance. And it's interesting to see what he does against the jazz. And like you said, hopefully 100% healthy with that ankle and just one of those weird step things. Yeah. And another, you mentioned a passing moment with him and Clax. He threw like a, a really nicely timed, alley-oop to to clax tonight as well it's just he's finding rhythm and just uh, efficiency and just rounding out his game to being uh look he's not gonna be spencer dimity where he has seven eight nine assists but you know he can consistently contribute in terms of like there's plenty of games this year over different stretches where he's had four to five and just making the right place that's what cam's got to do like he's he's got to be like a better more creative version of Lou Williams or whatever and that's still a very very good player I think he's like maybe Donovan Mitchell is a a nice comparison point to sort of him maybe a better passing Donovan Mitchell but yeah he's a a very very good player and I won't hear any any talk about the uh, the negatives because he was just awesome 
Yeah, moving on from Cam Thomas, I think we could probably talk about him for another hour. Uh, you want to go with Clax or Dinwiddie? I think we could probably talk about him together because I think that Dinwiddie, like, I, I think I've said this like a billion times, just finds ways and times to just be in the right moments and making the right decisions and impacting the game in a really strong fashion. And that just, like, points to his leadership. Like, 14 assists tonight. Like, that's yeah. just awesome. Like, five rebounds. Three steals and, and a block to go with his two turnovers, two turnovers for, uh, as well as the sixteen points on six of thirteen shooting. Three attempts from three wasn't amazing. I think there were a couple in there that I'm like, oh, come on, not Spencer, not Steph. Please don't take those ones. But I thought overall, the, la- I the thought- last, the second to last three he took in the corner late in this game. I thought he was going to hit, and that would have been a big three, and he missed that one. Like you said, there was a couple that he missed, but that was the one that the Nets really needed. Yeah, and look, he's. He's hit a lot of those this year. He's yeah. hit a lot of those as a Brooklyn net in general. So there are some shots that it's a it's a make or miss league. But Spencer did it when he continues to be just like like super consistent. And we said in the past, you know, when is he going to sort of get that back to him? Now that tech was a little bit erroneous, and like it's sort of like Royce O'Neal's foul on on Andrew Wiggins. It's just like those two things. Kind of were, were, were big indicators in terms of what <laughs> the three short... points actually might have co- like you could argue cost, and that's the game. You know, they they I... don't give up those three points to Wiggins. There, it's a different game in the last twenty eight seconds. And you know, one more point from Spencer didn't win given over the tap. Yeah. It's one twenty apiece. So, and then you again... run the last possession, have a chance to tie instead of down four. Yeah. So look, there's plenty of what ifs within this game, but I, I still think Spencer was objectively objectively positive i thought nick claxton found his footing as the game went on yep. and was more impactful he had some nice offensive moments realizing when to sort of make those shots and realizing hey i've got like two three inches on on kavon looney or, or dario sharic there were times where he's he didn't look as fluid offensively tonight to me other than that insane backflip tip in yeah. plus the end one and hitting that end one that's just clack city at its finest and he was, you know, strong defensively as well. But I don't think this was like an, a 10 out of 10 game. I'd give it like a, a seven and a half just off the top of my head. I still think it was was quite positive. But yeah, Spencer and Clax, you know, you, you wouldn't give them A pluses, but you wouldn't give them Cs or Ds either. They're good starters tonight. You know, they weren't elite. They were good starters. I mean, Clax offensively, I thought had a little bit more pop. I think this is one of his better games over the course of this month. You know, I think December, he hasn't really popped off the screen a ton. So having a, at least an offensive game where he's, you know, having an impact on the boards and finishing, you know, probably could have had even more opportunities in some of those roles if they hit him and find him in the right situations. But, you know, again, with Spencer, 14 assists, just running the show. He looks very comfortable out there doing that, especially when, you know, Cam's cooking or Mikel's cooking. He can kind of just, you know, take a take a passenger seat and just watch the thing kind of go, you know. And obviously the three-point shooting, you like to see him do better than three out of ten, four out of ten, just making one more, you know, makes all the difference in this game. So those guys were good, and that's enough. You know, you have one guy who played really, really well in Cam Thomas, was elite offensively, two other starters good. The problem is the other two starters were bad in this game. They were. And look, Mikael Bridges, it might have been a, a bottom five, bottom three game. Bottom three Matt. first quarters for him. Like, I mean, the fourth quarter, he at least did some things and tried to like make up for it. And if he, if he makes that shot at the end to tie it, you feel probably a little differently. But the first three quarters, it was weird. It felt like yeah, uh, and- it felt like you did, was not the player we've seen for the course of the last like two seasons, including not just Brooklyn, but Phoenix too. And Steph was cooking him. 
Like yeah. Steph was absolutely cooking him, and you would not say. And I don't think I've said like that in between. Yeah, it it just didn't seem like it just wasn't a good game and like even good even really good players have these sort of games you know but that's what separates the really good players from the great players mikhail ain't that like and unfortunately he still was you know hit three or four from three you know he still had six boards like he still impacted he was a really good role player tonight other than a shooting efficiency yeah, exactly. So like that that fourth quarter where he was starting to find a little bit of rhythm, hit a, a couple of shots here or there, got into the mid-range, was driving, you know, a, a little bit more and putting the pressure on the defense. I thought the Nets should have done like that just religiously, like continuously just pressure, 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 be aggressive there. But the the Warriors were a bit of a zone of them, as we alluded to. But yeah, this game from Mikael Bridges was not very good by any stretch of the imagination. And the box score looks a little bit better for Cam Johnson. It's like third, like it's as I was, I think I discussed on the last of a solo pod that I did, you know, if he's putting up, you know, 15, five and three or 15, five and five, whatever, he's like, oh yeah, that's okay. But then the difference from 15, five and five to like 18, five and five is like, you know, almost night and day in terms of just the eye test. But the eye test just shows me right now that Cam Johnson's just not playing good. Like he's yeah. just not affecting the game in a, in a positive fashion. He's hitting, it seems to me like whenever he gets a handoff, he's always hitting the three ball. Like his efficiency on handoffs is just like ridiculous. Like secondary actions. He's just a, a very, very good player. But in terms of every, his just general effect on the game, like 29 minutes for him, five or 12 from the field, three, seven, from three, got into some foul trouble as well. Had five assists, 13 points, three, seven, from three. Like you look at that and you're like, ah, oh, that's an okay game. You know, that's sort of what you want from your fourth or fifth starter, but he, he should be better than that. And like, there are higher standards that we have of him and I have of him and he should be putting up just being a more forceful player. Like sort of the reactivity versus proactivity. There's just like, you don't feel him out there. Yep. He's sort of just like a guy that hits some threes every now and then there's not like a, it's hard to sort of quantify or tangibly sort yeah, of analyze, I think but he's just not there. It. Yeah, it's just like you don't feel the impact. He's not a guy that's just a needle mover on the floor sometimes. It's just kind of you know, he's waiting for a lot of things to happen. And I think it's just like the lack of impact in a lot of areas. Like he's not – it doesn't feel like he's really, really good at anything. Even his shooting is 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 very good but not to the elite level. Like he's not one of the best shooters in the NBA. And then his consistency in other areas like driving is not always impactful. Ball handling is a little questionable at times. And rebounding kind of varies. You know, one night he'll grab eight – and then tonight he'll grab two where it's like there's probably opportunities for you to have a level of impact if, you know, Clax is eating against these guys. They're not playing anybody big and the team's getting cooked on the offensive boards like step up in that area. I think that's like why a player like Royce O'Neal always kind of sticks out at times is like the Nets might be you know doing poorly somewhere. Royce might end up having a big game, you know, like they're not rebounding. Well, he's going to grab eight boards. You know, they need more three point shooting. He's going to put up six or seven threes, you know, all those different things. I think Cam Johnson has a hard time kind of reading his role and like leaving his stamp on the game at times. And when you're making 20 plus million dollars, like now that's where you need to do that. You need to have a level of impact that you remember. It's like, there is very few plays from this game that you can recall about Cam Johnson because they just weren't big plays. No, it's, he's just playing average basketball. It's like, you know, you have like a, a, a nice Christmas, you know, holiday dinner or whatever, you know, but the turkey's just a, a bit dry, or the yep. ham's just a bit dry, or the, just the meat's not there, and you're missing a bit of sauce, a bit of gravy, or whatever. 
Cam Johnson's missing the gravy. I don't know if that analogy makes sense at all right now, but it, I'm, I'm getting back to the to the weird chat when I'm on the pods <laughs> with Unic. But the comparison point with Royce O'Neill probably brings us nicely to analyzing him because you feel Royce O'Neill probably positively or negatively one way or another. Like whether it's there's always making, uh, yeah, like there's either like positive impact or negative impact, whether it's offensively or defensively. It's, it's I, I think Royce O'Neill is just a is probably impacting the Nets a little bit more right now than Cam Johnson is because he's a better passer. He's probably a better rebounder, probably a better defender, but like Cam Johnson probably more has the point shooting on him. Royce. Yeah, I think he's just more, in, he's just a better all-round basketballer in terms of just dynamic and ability to affect the game. And, you know, Royce O'Neal is earning, what, 10-something million dollars and Cam Johnson's earning over double that. Like, yeah, we don't judge guys on contracts because Ben Simmons is out on the sidelines, you know, with another update that there's not, nothing with him with his back and he's earned $30, $40 million. But in saying that, it's just like, does Cam Johnson go to the bench? I, I don't know. Like, does, does it need to be a bit of a shakeup for him? Sort of like Wiggins has gone to the bench and sort of been like, nah, we're not accepting this this level of ineffective play. There has to be consequences to it. Like, you're, not, you're playing shit. I'd rather start DFS over him. If DFS is back in the next couple of games, he's a better player than Cam Johnson by a country mile. And if there comes a, a point in time where the Nets have to make a trade or make a decision on some of their wings, then Cam Johnson isn't high on the list in terms of retention unless his game turns around. And he can. He's shown that he can be a really positive player in, in a Nets uniform, but he hasn't done lately. He hasn't done it lately. He's yet to do it over a consistent stretch of time. You know, we were seeing it for a week or two weeks. You know, we looked to the playoffs. We looked to an earlier section of this season. But over the course of a month or two months, he's not giving you that. And I think it's an interesting conversation about, you know, DFS healthy. And then you're running Spencer, Cam Thomas, McHale, Dorian Finney-Smith, and Nick Claxton. Now, that feels like a pretty good lineup. You know, that feels like it has some really good defense and also some really good offense. And then, you know, a guy in the in-between with Mikel Bridges who's good on both ends of the floor. So, you know, I think it's something to consider. Maybe if, you know, Cam Johnson doesn't pick up his play, obviously Nets heavily invested in him with that contract. So he might get a little bit more leeway than some other guys. But uh, rest of the bench, Dayron, like I said, not a great matchup for him. I think all the drop and just all the screens and stuff, hard for him to navigate. Not fully comfortable in that area in the NBA yet. Trenton Watford had some good minutes in this game. Uh, Jalen Wilson, we continue to see him. You know, not necessarily lighting it up, but you see his motor. You see just the natural role player rebounding plays. as well. Yeah. Well, yeah. You see him, he's very active on the boards. And I think he's just like, he's a guy that makes the right read, makes the extra pass, knows what he's doing. Doesn't, tr hasn't really tried to do too much. So good, meaningful minutes for him. Cause you know, if the trades do happen, he's a guy that could end up popping into the rotation talking March and April. Yeah. And this is the sort of foundation. Now, Jalen Wilson wasn't lying the world on fire by any stretch. And you know, you'd rather DFS have those minutes, but you know, he's earned them. Like he's been putting in the work in, in the G League and Long Island and putting up some insane numbers. He deserved to play tonight. He wasn't the reason why the Nets lost. He wasn't the reason why the Nets could have won either. But yeah, overall, it's a, a frustrating recap on this one. But yeah, we move on, on the to Utah. the Utah Jazz and hopefully, yeah, hopefully win that one. And two and three on the road trip is what I think a lot of us were hoping for. You get two and three on this road trip, you just, just close it out, bounce back. And we probably forget about our frustrations a little bit, what we discussed tonight, Nick. Yeah, and you remember that you got to upset Phoenix and ruin the debut of their big three and a little revenge on Kevin Durant. So two and three is not great, but at least one of those wins was against Phoenix. And obviously the Nets still need to take care, against, take care of business against Utah and had a real chance to win tonight. But Jack, great to be back on with you. Big thanks, everyone, for listening. Check the buzz on all stream platforms.